Welcome to the Teeth to Toes podcast, brought to you by TMJ.today. I am Dr. Curtis Westerson, and I'm a general dentist that treats TMJ problems. And this podcast, I have two very special guests. I have a co-host, which I'm so lucky to have. Her name is Kira Shulton, and she has some experience with this whole head and neck thing. She'll tell you about it. And I have a very special guest as well. I have Dr. Jeff Schulten. Hold on. Kira Schulten, Jeff Schulten. Weird coincidence. Weird, Weird coincidence, Chris. You ask yeah, me to do this so thing, like... I come on, and then I see this fate. What? what? Yeah. Hey. Do you know this Hand. guy? Is... Hands off, Curtis. He's mine. He's yours. Ah, oh, you guys are married. Very good, very good. <laughs> Hands off is okay with me. Now, uh, Jeff, you're a good-looking guy. Don't think we didn't notice, but yes. So what we are going to talk about today, I get patients that come in, and they may be seeing several different dentists, or, or not even dentists, several different healthcare providers. And they may be asking, well, I got sent to you is because nobody else could figure out what it was. Do you have an opinion? And I get to look at these patients and I get to um, talk to them about what their problems and their issues are. And for this podcast today, what we're going to be uh, talking, Jeff and I are going to be talking, is... Uh, when you see a patient and they say, do I have this? How do we approach that and how do we interact with regards to that? Jeff, what, what say you with regards to how we approach this with our patients? Well, so uh, in, in my world, I'm dealing with the head and neck exclusively and, uh, and its effect on postural asymmetry. And when the posture uh, is, um, is asymmetrical, part of that is it shows up for us as a longer short leg, a higher low hip or shoulder, a head tilt. You know, you can be leaning more on one leg than the other, so your shoes might wear out differently on, on one side versus the other. And so all of these are sort of signs for us that somebody with a TMJ problem might have a contributing variable that is a head and neck problem. And, uh, and so, you know, one of the things that uh, I discovered even before I met you and part of the reason that I did meet you is that the bite can contribute to a head and neck issue and a postural issue. And then I started to learn so much more about how the, the head and neck also could contribute to the bite issue. And, um, and so we, uh, we've developed protocols for integrating treatment of these areas, but the big thing patients have to know when they're coming in is, I have this issue, maybe it's a migraine headache, maybe it's uh, uh, some other pain in their head and neck or face, and it's been diagnosed as, as a TMD, so temporal mandibular joint disorder, and the question is, do I have a neck problem that is contributing to, to this TMD? So... What would a neck problem kind of look at? Um, 
Uh, Kira, you get to talk. Well, the signs and symptoms really, you know, the neck is very influential on, on body position. And so in our practice, we're monitoring that very closely. For a patient, the signs and symptoms of a, of a neck issue are, are neck stiffness. You might have a difficulty turning your head equally from side to side or, or nodding your head or shoulder checking in your car, that kind of thing. Um, you might have some uh, pulsatile headaches. So you might have some headaches at the base of your skull. Uh, you might have aching in your neck. Um, you might have shoulders that like to pretend they're part of your earlobes and, and, and join them, right? The shoulders might be riding high a lot of the time. And, um, and you might be told by people that you should sit up straight because you're slouching and your, your posture's terrible. These are all signs that, um, and symptoms of, of a neck problem in addition to a TMJ problem. I think so, if I can just interject there, if I can just interject yeah, for a minute, sure. um, I think the, not everybody associates the certain symptoms as far as I've seen and understand from everything that I've witnessed over the last many decades that, uh, like, for instance, for me, uh, when I when I first started, uh, before I started care, I, my purse would always fall off my shoulder if I had it on my right shoulder. But if I carried my purse on my left shoulder, I could walk around all day and never have a problem. Bra strap always falling off my right shoulder. And I'm like, what is wrong with all these things? Like, and then once, they, once you figure out, I would never have associated that with a neck problem, the fact that I can't carry a purse on my right shoulder. But I think a lot of people don't realize there's many, many different things that can be wrong with different parts of your body, but can all be connected back up to the top, I think is where I was going with that. So, Kira, you would say then that uh, people could have these problems and just be totally unaware of it, just think that first, not even being aware of their purse falling off, et cetera, they're just so used to that. They just I thought I just think. had a really slopey, slopey right shoulder. <laughs> I was just born with a slopey right shoulder. I don't know. You mean you mean that's not that's not normal, Jeff? You're not born with a slopey right shoulder. Well, I mean, unfortunately, if uh, if you've been born through a C-section and you've had a traumatic birth, or um, you were a really big baby and a really small mommy, then uh, yeah, it's really possible that, uh, that you were born with a slopey right shoulder. Um, but for the majority of children that aren't injured at, during the birth process or before uh, being born, um, as they learn to walk and as they learn to play, I had a patient in just yesterday who was talking about, as I was educating him on his own neck issues, he said I can, he has this 20-year-old daughter who he just pictures her now falling off the teeter-totter on her head. And so at that moment, you're looking and you're making sure your child is alive and everything's okay but you're not really realizing that there's different degrees of sprain that can happen and a minor injury uh, repeated a number of times can all of a sudden start to become something that's really significant for that patient to cope with and uh, and they might start having challenges and not even recognize that you know they had an injury because it was so small i mean obviously if you've been in a whiplash uh, large car accident you can really you know that your neck has maybe been injured but little things over time Sometimes they're harder for people to recognize. And yeah, it's a great point Kira brought up about the fact that if your shoulders aren't level, that's not how you were meant to be. So that's a problem. Whether it's a problem that you need me for or whether it's a problem you need somebody else for, I don't know. But your hips should be level, your legs should be reasonably the same length, 
and uh, and your head should be on straight. It's it's a pretty straightforward concept, and when we live in gravity, that's a better place for us to be. So find people who can help you with that. I I just remembered talking to a medical doctor once, who said that if a kid bangs their head a certain way, uh, you know, against a wall, or they have a certain type of fall that they're always probably going to have that certain type of fall. That's probably just normal to them. But from what I'm hearing from you is that child could be born with a head-neck misalignment from birth and not even have that assessed. How would you, as an upper cervical chiropractor that deals with head and neck, how would you assess that baby or is there something that 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 mom and dad can assess that baby um right at the very start absolutely i mean well this is another sort of place that our professions um interact very very closely so as you know when a mother is breastfeeding their child sometimes that latching issue can be because of a tongue tie issue there can be problems with the um, oral apparatus of that baby, and that, that can be a problem with, with breastfeeding. Well, if they've been injured uh, at birth, and you don't have to take my word for it, there is a wonderful book written by a German physician by the name of Heiner Biedermann in around 2004 that's called Manual Therapy in Children. And according to him, about 30% of kids are born misaligned or injured during birth because of things like C-section, vacuum extraction, and those kinds of things. And so what the parent would be looking for is that the child maybe wouldn't be able to turn their head and nurse on both sides equally. Um, You might notice that the child is lying on their back and their head is always rotated to one side and and not the other side, that they're uncomfortable when you're trying to bring their head straight. My youngest patient in the last three months was one week old. What? And she wasn't latching well. Her father um, is a patient, and this child was born via C-section, and uh, and she couldn't latch on both sides. And so, you know, what we're looking for is that at, at that age, one week old, um, that child isn't holding up their head. And so we're looking for tonal differences side to side. Uh, they're usually much simpler to identify, um, you can identify that one side of the muscles along the spine feel tighter than the other side, then one leg uh, looks a lot shorter. If you take the knees and bend them and you just roll the knees from side to side, we'll see one shoulder lift up higher off the table than the other side. And, um, and so yeah, it becomes quite apparent that there's some sort of asymmetry there. And then again, we don't do NUCA with them because NUCA is an image-guided adjustment and it's really complex. Um, in our office, we would do NUCA as a secondary measure if the child wasn't, wasn't responding well to the, the simpler interventions that we can do. But um, the chiropractic adjustments to children are, are um, very subtle. And, um, and again, it, it feels to the child like a like a tickle behind the ear. It looks to the parent like a very underwhelming event. Um, but the job is afterwards, we want to see those objective signs normalized. So we want to see the leg length even. We want to see the tone of the back 
uh, side to side, even. And, uh, and when we roll the knees from side to side, we want the shoulders to come up the same amount off the table. And it's so critical because what we maybe understand, but what most patients don't understand is when their babies are born, or when we are born as babies, our bones aren't formed. There's a couple of bones that are formed, as you know, but most of the bones are cartilage. And if the tone is different from side to side as those bones are forming, then the bones form asymmetrically. And that Heiner Biederman who wrote the manual therapy in children, he said, ignore the adults. They're all too messed up. We gotta focus on the kids. And he identified a syndrome called KISS syndrome, kinematic imbalances due to suboccipital stress. So kinematic being motion, imbalances due to stress at the base of the skull, suboccipital is the occipital bone. And, um, and a lot of um, practitioners, manual therapists in Germany and Holland, I, I know, because we have a lot of family in the Amsterdam area, um, are very familiar with this and our understanding of it and intervene with it. It's very much less common in North America, but a patient of mine who is an OB said to an observing student chiropractor, uh, when she was in on her appointment, she said, I wreck him, he fixes him, you know, but she's got to get him out alive. And so the key is that if there is an injury, that the next step is for you to take your child to make sure that they're uh, dealt with as soon as possible so that more dysfunction doesn't come in to their body from that neck injury and doesn't get locked in as their body matures and the bone develops. So yeah, absolutely. we. We love taking care of one-week-olds when they're injured, and we even love it better when we see the one-week-old and we high-five both parents because there's no injury and there's no problem. Um, and we're happy to take care of the 95-year-old too, you know, but okay, taking I take care it, of it early is always the best. I take it there's a different way to assess the 95-year-old versus the one-week-old. Now, Kira, did, um, you have a couple of lovely daughters, I know. Did did Jeff assess them when they were younger? Yeah, and our, our youngest one, um, it was interesting because uh, Jeff's there talking about, you know, during uh, the birth process, you can have injury, C-section, or, or a vacuum extraction, and that didn't occur at all with ours. We had a very, uh, very straightforward, quote-unquote, normal birth. Um, but our... Jeff is six foot four and I'm five foot three and we had a very large baby and a very small torso and she was just injured in utero and I think it was a very, um, it was eye-opening for us both because we didn't really think that that was a possibility, that that was something that could happen if you just had a normal pregnancy and a normal birth, but she definitely came out crooked and he'd, yeah, he definitely had to assess her and, and I just am thankful because I don't know what she would be like if we hadn't known about um the importance of doing this. Now, Jeff, I heard that, correct me if I'm wrong, I heard that one of the ways to assess a young child is to grab them by their ankles and hold them upright. And if they have a curvature in their body one way, that that may be the sign of a problem that's there. Is that something that people actually do? And we don't do that to the 95-year-olds. Not, not to, yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I, yeah. So, um, well, 
Children, children gradually are able to hold up their head by about three months. You know, the head is very big on a baby relative to their body, and so they're able to hold up their head about th at about age three months. And what, what you're talking about, there's a lot of fetal reflexes that that exist, and and one of the reflexes that you'll see in a baby is um, as they rotate their head, let's say to the right, if they're lying on their back, then they'll then they'll usually contract uh, or flex that same side arm and leg and they would extend the opposite side arm and leg so they'd have a straight arm and a straight leg and their head's turned that way and their you know their hand is close to their face and their and their knee is up on that side and that's a really normal position and that's a reflex called the fencer's reflex um, in in children that are that are you know only a few months old up to being a few months old and so uh, one of the chiropractic procedures that we we tread very carefully around because it's it can be a little bit uh, intimidating for parents is that uh, one of the ways to assess a misalignment in the neck of a child is to hold them uh, by you know you got to be careful you got to know what you're doing and make sure that there's no hip dysplasia or other issues going on but you hold them upside down and now this is something that's really uh, shocking maybe to people listening but you know, the baby was upside down for nine months previous to coming out. So for the baby, they love it. They have no problem with it. And, um, and so then if we were to have a good hold on their legs and we were to gently release one of their legs uh, so that they could flex a little bit, then the baby would basically typically turn away from the leg we were holding. They would turn, they would rotate their head away from it. And that would be a normal sign. And then if we were to grab back the other leg and release the um, leg that we were holding, they would rotate their head the other way. So that's an indication that there is no problem. And uh, sometimes even by doing that test, you'll see the problem, but by repeating it a couple of times, there's a little tractionization that happens in the head and neck and it resets itself. And so they don't require any actual intervention. They, they self-correct. And so you know, we think um, having tummy time is really important to develop the curves in the neck and the back. We also think having upside down time is really important when done appropriately to allow the spine to be tractioned and to be able to reset with some of the traumas that happen. And it's not probably more important than when, than when babies are born or when children are very young to have that upside down time as well. So we, we, like, we like it when we see kids hanging off of uh, off the, the jungle gym bars, you know? But we, right. um, we we don't like it when they fall on their heads, but <laughs> we like that kind of tractionization and we think that's good for the for the spine and the body. Okay, so this is interesting with kids. I didn't realize that you could be born with this problem. That's a very interesting point. Um, and we don't hold the 95-year-olds up by the ankles. Um, it's not recommended. But... Uh, not recommended, no. But what would the common symptoms that I see with patients that I'm referring to you to have their neck assessed is that they've got some type of a either tip, a shoulder's low and the head maybe is tipped this way or sometimes this way. Also that they can't, they can turn their head a little bit, but they can really turn that way. Those seem to be common ones. Another one I have is when the patient 
look straight up, are we looking straight up or are we looking up at a curvature? Um, I take it those are more common presentations in, in your office, is that is that kind of the thing? Yeah, and, and the key is that I, I agree 100%. What you're observing are, are all um, observations of dysfunction in the head and neck, and so that's absolutely true. So it's not that we can't turn and tilt our head, you know, because we can sit here with our head tilted and turned if we want to sit with our head tilted and turned. The key is if your head's going to be tilted, you should be purposefully doing it. And if you're rotating your head, you should be purposefully doing it. The key is when you're trying to find neutral and you're not able to find neutral with your head and neck, but in fact, your neutral isn't neutral. And when that's the case and your brain is confused and your body is therefore confused about where neutral is, now we've got a dysfunction that's uh, causing problems, especially with our topic today, which is with the jaw. Because if, if I'm sitting at the dinner table chewing my food and I think my head is nicely neutral as I'm talking to my family, but in fact my head is tilted and rotated and I'm chewing my food, that means my upper teeth are tilted and rotated, and so the garage is not sitting at the top of the driveway. And that means the lower teeth that are crushing that food are smashing into that garage wrong, and over time, cycling that enough times, that's gonna create a dysfunction for you, pain, dysfunction, and it might create other things like cracked teeth or, or bigger issues that, uh, that cause problems. And it might be causing you to grind your teeth at night to try to even those out. So there's all sorts of dysfunction that you might see as a side effect of that. So to summarize what we're kind of talking about, is that even though we may have a low shoulder, our neck's going this way, our head's going this way, we've got a rotation, that may be something normal to the patient. It's something that they've been doing for a long period of time. It's not structurally balanced. And so therefore what you and I are trying to always do is get patients structurally balanced and not have these distortions as a way to allow them to function more normally. Is that a good way to assess that? That's exactly right. I had a patient come in a number of years ago and he was sent by his physician because he had radiculopathy or pain down one side of his, his body from his neck into his arm. And uh, when I explained what was going on, and he had shoulders that were tilted about four degrees, he's like, oh, I've always had a tilted shoulder. It's just that it's part of my quirky self, <laughs> you know? And I said, well, if you really like that tilted shoulder, don't come to me, <laughs> because we're gonna try to get rid of it. So, yeah, I think that there's an amount that's acceptable, you know, a half degree, maybe a degree. You may have broke your collarbone and you know why you have a, an asymmetry to your shoulders. But when you start to have um, a degree or more of tilting in your shoulders, unleveling, and you, your purse is falling off, or your bra strap's falling off, like Kira was talking about, or I have another patient that we have in common who comes to me when her dress doesn't fit well because she notices it just doesn't fit properly on her hips and so then she needs me to help her realign and reduce that postural asymmetry. So yeah, if you like your quirky self and it's not causing you any pain right now, 
know that it isn't necessarily something that is uh, good for you, and it's probably something that you should get looked into and, and fixed. So in other words, either go to you or go to a seamstress. Kind of the take <laughs> there. Uh, as Curtis, a guy, if you have a half-inch short leg, I guess you could put a lift in your shoe, or you could even the legs out. Yeah. Curtis, I think you see, you see this you see this postural asymmetry when people are sitting in your dental chairs, right? All the time, all the time. Yes. Um, I ask them, you know, when you're sitting in the dental chair, which butt cheeks taking more of the weight? And typically, it, we'll have one butt cheek is is got a little bit more pressure. Um, and we can put a magazine under the opposite butt cheek, just a thin little tiny magazine, and all of a sudden they feel more level. And it's a good way to say, well, look, at you've got some postural asymmetry. I only do the teeth. We need to send you off to see Dr. Schulten or some other type of therapy. You know, this has been really interesting. I want to thank you both for being on this podcast. Kira for being my co-host. Jeff for having all the knowledge every time I hear you talk. I always learn a little bit more. Thank you very much. This has been the podcast from For Teeth to Toes and brought to you by TMJ.today and the whole purpose of this podcast is to give both healthcare providers and patients a little bit better understanding, sorry, a little bit of a better understanding about how they can function. So I really appreciate your help. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Bye.